Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. But what I would really say is our more revolutionary element is this single view of the fans that we can provide organizations. So as an example, we can show Let's use a venue as an example. We can show a consumer who may just come to concerts at a particular venue, but not go to sports events. We can show that their favorite drink might be Bud, as an example, or hot dogs, or they buy a shirt at a certain date. So what we do with our clients is we we effectively help them use that data really to push personalized offers to those to those attendees based on their actual behavior. So they're not just sending out generic marketing offers. That was Jason Thomas, CEO of Tappet. And he is our special guest this week on episode 138 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. And I'm your host, Greg Myers. Jason is a sports enthusiast from Northern England with a passion for music and a resume that includes both Sony and Virgin Records. He has taken his love for entertainment to the fintech space and created a name for himself within the industry. With a client portfolio that includes some of the biggest organizations in event management, including the NFL, MLB, and NBA, just to name a few. Tappet is a global payment solution company that offers cashless payment options driven by data analytics. Tappet provides all of their clients with micro-level data analytics to identify valuable and influential purchase patterns that enable a marketing strategy driven by personalized metrics and not just generic offers. Tappet also offers a range of solutions that include mobile, RFID, and even appless web options. Another bonus, the company is completely agnostic, so they can work with any third party their client may have in a manner that provides a truly white-labeled interface. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Jason. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. We'll dive deeper into your career in a minute, but just some general things about you. Yes. So I grew up in the north of England, grammar school educated. My formative years were spent really studying and I signed professional forms for an English soccer club, but I was also interested in that time in, in business music and sport really and my my first job was working for Sony Music which uh, again just suggests that obviously my interest was certainly in those kind of areas. I spent a lot of time working in London, a little bit of time working in the US specifically in New York but I'm back in the UK now again living back in the north of England. Okay great well let's talk about Tappet so tell the audience what Tappet does. Yeah, so I suppose top line, we really enable our partners to fully maximize the power of their data. And we do that actually via various cashless payment solutions and also linked to those cashless payment solutions. We have a data analytics platform, which our partners use to fully understand their fans. And they use those insights really to improve a fan experience and and increase profits. So unlike the credit card companies, the debit card banks, Google and Apple Pay, et cetera, that data actually all goes back to our clients for them to fully understand their fans. 
We've worked and delivered for over uh, 500 clients now since 2018, and we've worked in over 20 countries. And increasingly, actually, we, we're working now with a lot of major brands in North America, and um, particularly in the event space historically. So we work with NFL clubs, MLB, NHL, the NBA, MLS, and we're also starting to work with a lot of colleges in the US as well. And then from an office perspective, we have offices in the US, the Middle East and Europe. Pre-COVID, we had staff of around 50, but post-COVID now, we've more than doubled that as really the demand for our kind of payment solutions and services have, have increased. And how do you go to market through partnerships or direct sales force or how do you go to market? A little bit of both actually, Greg. So we have direct sales departments and commercial departments in the Middle East, in Europe and North America. But then we also have partnerships in other parts of the world, like Southeast Asia and Australasia and parts of Africa. And what is the business model? Do you charge a per transaction fee or is it more like a SaaS model? It's a hybrid really is probably the best way to describe it. So we have a license fee, which is usually annually. And by the side of that, we can also have um, a transaction fee, a consumption fee. So maybe one to 2% as an example, but it, it does vary. We have a lot of different commercial models, but in general terms, it's a hybrid SaaS product. Okay. I was looking at your website and some of the images. It looks like there's an app. So do the fans, the the people in the stadium have to download an app? Yeah, so we have kind of three areas really of, of cashless solutions. One is a mobile solution, and the, that's actually a white label solution that's built into the app of our partners. So as an example, Kansas City Chiefs, they have an app that the their fans use to get into the stadium anyway and we can put a payment solution in there and it's called Chiefs Pay and they can just add their credit or debit card to that so that they can pay seamlessly via the app so you don't have to download a separate uh, tap it app we just white label into the app of uh, of our partners and then the other there's another couple of solutions we also do RFID solutions so there may be wristbands or lanyards or cards that we tend to use uh, with our partners who may struggle for Wi-Fi connectivity. We use those a lot, for instance, in greenfield kind of areas, say around festivals. And then we have another solution, which is an appless web solution. So if we have a client who might not have eye engagement of an app or may not have an app at all, what we can do is we can put QR codes on things like posters and menus, etc., and allow their fans or their attendees to actually pay cashlessly using that as well. So it's a, And sometimes we have clients who have a hybrid of two or three of those solutions. Is there one specific vertical that stands out among all those that you mentioned, or is it pretty much any type of event from sporting to music and festivals, sort of all of them? It's a good question. Historically, up till probably the pandemic, really the majority of our clients were were music related, whether it be venues or, or festivals and, and sport really. And But I would say post-COVID or certainly during COVID, we've now started working with a lot of new verticals for us. So as I say, as I mentioned earlier, we work now with a lot of colleges. We work with retail partners. We also work with um, theme parks, as an example. So I think as our kind of solution has been adopted by a lot of different types of end users, if you like, the sectors for us are certainly widening. And you mentioned early on that you provide a lot of data back to your customers that help them with the fan experience. Can you maybe give sort of a, a high level case study or an example of the kind of data and how they may use it? 
Yeah, sure. So effectively, from a data perspective, there's there's kind of two main areas, really, of what we provide. So we provide what I would call a macro level, so we can show our partners who their top spenders are, who the biggest, let's say, beer drinkers may be, or consumption of a certain product type, which can be really useful for them, particularly if there's a sponsorship element and to drive sponsorship dollars. But what I would really say is our more revolutionary element is this single view of the fans that we can provide organizations. So as an example, we can show, let's use a venue as an example, we can show a consumer who may just come to concerts at a particular venue, but not go to sports events. We can show that their favorite drink might be Bud as an example, or hot dogs, or they buy a shirt at a certain date. So what we do with our clients is we we effectively help them use that data really to push personalized offers to those to those attendees based on their actual behavior. So they're not just sending out generic marketing offers. So it really helps them both increase attendances, increase average spend. As I mentioned earlier, it's vitally important for for them to use that data to drive sponsorship revenues as an example. So if in a particular venue, they may have Pepsi as a sponsor, they can show them who drinks Pepsi, but more importantly, they can show them who drinks Coke. And so they can incentivize them to convert people to drink Pepsi. So yeah, that data piece really is is a very significant difference to what we provide compared to some other payment types. And I know there are competitors out there that provide solutions. I'm not sure how you differentiate. You mentioned the data. Obviously, that sounds like a differentiator. But what else differentiates you from your competitors out there? Yeah, I think one of our certainly unique elements is that we're completely agnostic. And the beauty of being completely agnostic is we can work with any third party that a a client may have, so whether that be a payment provider, whether it be a certain concessionaire, whether it be a certain app provider, certain ticketing company. And so what it means from our perspective is we can pull in that data from any of these points. Also, one of the other differences is we have the tech stack that I mentioned earlier is unique in its own right. So although people have individual elements of those, there's lots of mobile solutions, there's there's lots of RFID solutions, we're the only people really who have that full tech stack. And, And that's really important because I think one of the things that's happened now is if you look at either venue owners or you look at shopping malls, et cetera, they're trying to become 365 uh, financial models, namely fill in that environment 365 days a year. So if you're an NFL team, as an example, when the NFL season finishes, you may want concerts to come there. You may want conferences to come there and, and other different events. Now, if you're going to pull in the data from those different types of events with com- very different demographics, you do need that range of solutions if you're going to do that. So I'll give you a good example. There's an NFL team, as an example, that actually takes twice as much money in 22 days than they do during the NFL season with a rodeo uh, that takes place. Now, The rodeo consumers are not going to download the NFL app. Why should they? But what we can give them is we can give them a rodeo wristband and they can still obviously then transact cashlessly. And from the NFL team and the venue owner's perspective, they can pull in that data to then be able to cross merchandise, cross market, and obviously have a much bigger data set. So that range of solutions is actually vitally important with the way a lot of a lot of our partners now want to work with different types of events or activations in a particular environment. Okay. And you mentioned the the data being able to help them with their advertising or incentives and providing customized promotions. Do you guys 
get involved in that aspect of it or is it more just providing the data? Yeah, it's a good question. What we'd like to think is that our dashboard, which is is bespoke to, to our client, is a self-service element, if you like. Having said that, what we certainly do with our brands is really help them to understand that data and also give them some advice around best practice on how to use the data. The great thing about the fact that we've worked in over 20 countries now is we can benchmark their data as well. So we can tell them what good looks like and what has worked from an incentivization perspective and how to really personalize and trigger certain incentives and initiatives based on what we've seen previously. So it's a mixture, really, Greg, between them understanding and being proactive with the data and us also helping them really maximize it. Okay. And where do you see this industry? So typically we talk about payments, but I think this one has a a little bit unique because you're very focused on sort of one segment. So where do you see payments slash this venue, I'll call it venue management for lack of better words, where do you see that all headed, say, in the next two to three years? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, if you look at the statistics, there was already a move towards cashless pre-COVID. But I think the pandemic has, has certainly accelerated that move to cashless in general. I mean, if you look at statistics at the moment in 2021, I think 19% only of transactions in the US were cash. And if you look at some countries outside of of North America, that's much lower. And you you look at countries like Sweden and parts of Scandinavia and Europe, you know, it's less than 1% now are cashless. And I think one of the reasons that obviously organizations are kind of pushing cashless and particularly solutions like ours, this closed loop solution, idea is the fact that they see the importance of owning their own data to reduce that friction, if you like, with consumers and improve the consumer experience. And and as I mentioned earlier, really look to to market and incentivize based on previous behaviors rather than just really in a generic way. So I think that more personalized, integrated and frictionless experience is certainly not going to go away. And I think that's just going to continue. So I think from a a trend perspective, the importance of data and how organizations utilize it is definitely going to continue. I think what happened during COVID was when a lot of organizations didn't have consumers physically in situ, if you like, they realized actually that in a lot of cases, they really had not particularly useful data to keep that relationship between the organization and the consumer in in a kind of engaged form. So I think For the first time now, I've certainly seen in the last 12 months a big shift, particularly from large organizations in in really having a digital and data strategy, and they don't want to ever be in that position again. So um, I think that's been the major shift that will probably continue in the next, certainly the next five years. And you mentioned you're already in 20 countries. So is that sort of the growth strategy is to keep going into more and more countries? No, I, I think from our perspective, it's really to solidify in the sectors we've been in historically and continue really to add as much value as we can for, for our partners. And then I think in those areas where, as mentioned earlier, where we've we've kind of done direct commercial sales, as an example, is really to go into more sectors, some of which I mentioned earlier. So I don't think globally we've really got significant ambitions to go beyond North America, Middle East, and Europe, certainly directly, not to say we wouldn't look at partners in some of the other territories. Yeah, seems like there's uh, plenty of colleges and other venues and sporting events. And it's sort of, I, I mean, I would assume it's a very large, large market. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge market. I mean, if you look at the, the kind of total addressable market from our perspective, it's, yeah, it's very, very significant. I mean, even if you just look as an example at the US college market, I mean, the US college market, I think there was 2021, I think it was 54 billion was spent purely in, in US colleges. So, you know, if you, if you look at that just as one sector from our perspective, it's, yeah, we certainly don't need to go into other territories or, or necessarily go beyond our kind of ambition sectors as they currently stand, I guess. Yeah, great. Well, hey, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So if you don't mind, tell us your journey, how you got from your first job out of school to being the CEO of Tappet. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, so I think from my education, I actually went to work for record companies originally, and I worked for Sony, and I worked for Virgin, and uh, that, that's one of the reasons I, I ended up spending some time in New York as well. And then I think as <laughs> this is how old I am, I guess, Greg, as when the internet really took off and and the kind of business model of record companies changed more into the live concert element as streaming was obviously having a, an impact on record sales I, I really started to get more into the live element and really started to look at ticketing i then was part of an executive team that um sold a digital ticketing business to, to eventbrite just before i joined Tappet in 2018 so really I've, I've kind of i've always been in entertainment and really in tech to do with entertainment so over the years you know i've worked with a lot of big clients in, in this sector, whether it be MTV or Disney or Formula One or the Olympics or uh, Live Nation or lots of lots of big organisations really in this space. So yeah, so it went originally from record companies into ticketing into into digital, but always really certainly from a, a ticketing perspective onwards uh, was really all around that data piece. So the the digital ticketing business that I helped run, we were one of the first companies really to under to, to really put a ticket in have a ticketing solution that worked with Facebook because, again, we understood really the power of social media and, and that data aspect. What was attractive about Tappet? Why did you take the role there as CEO? I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> um, no, I think, the, I think coming from a ticketing environment where you always had a very significant market leader in Ticketmaster, it was quite clear to me from a cashless perspective that there was no real market leader. And so I just felt as though it was an opportunity to really get into an environment where quite quickly you could make a difference, where you could really help really push the consumer experience forward quite quickly. You know, fundamentally, you know, I'm a music and a, and a sports fan and, you know, I go to concerts and sports events literally still on a weekly basis. And I think from a legacy perspective, we're really trying to be part of something where, you know, you change the landscape of how, consumers really in that environment change if you like and and it become more frictionless i think was always was always certainly something from my perspective that was really appealing you know i've spent a long time being in queues waiting to get into events or waiting to grab a drink or or you know grab something to eat and i think from a cashless perspective trying to change that and trying to make from a consumer perspective in those environments a real difference was was certainly certainly appealing 
Yeah, I think that that whole user experience, I mean, just recently over the the break, went to a couple of movies and the the experience in a movie theater and how much it's changed, right? From being packed in and not being able to see over the person in front of you to having to get up and crawl over 10 people to get to go stand in a line to get popcorn and missing half of the movie to having people come to you and, and take your order and bring you your food. I mean, just that whole user experience just within movie theater and environment and then like what you guys are doing is really across all live events is is fascinating to me. I think it's an interesting space to to be in and I think the role of payments and what it plays is is also interesting and how that's going to has changed and will continue to change and then how you guys are leveraging that data. So just from my uh my little personal experience uh, is I I really love what you guys are doing. I appreciate that. You know, I think we've all been in that environment Greg, haven't we where most of the first two songs of our favourite band at a festival because we were queuing for a drink or we missed, I'm a big soccer fan, so, you know, missed the first goal after half time because, again, I was I was in a queue. And I think, interestingly, I'm at an age now, I'm 50, but, you know, I, I have children and, and it's, really, it's really interesting for me to witness that the generation below us, I don't think, have the same tolerance to that kind of that kind of customer experience as maybe we had. And so I think, you know, for large organizations really to engage with with the generation of, of spenders of tomorrow, if you like, they do have to make sure that that fan experience is, is really at a level it may not have been before. You know, I mean, I'll give you a good example. If you're queuing in the rain to get into a festival for a couple of hours because organizationally it's not as it should be, your brand can be getting killed via social media, literally as they're queuing. <laughs> the ante has certainly been upped with with that fan experience. And and I think organizations realize that they have to break the barrier down between them and the consumer. And the only way to do that really is to be able to analyze the data. You can't do it by guesswork. You have to you have to add some kind of science behind it and some kind of analytics behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are some things that you're passionate about? So maybe one business-related passion and one personal passion. I think business-related, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of tech. And I think from my perspective, I'm not overly technical really as a person. I, it, for me, I've always been obsessed with, I guess, how tech can help improve the lives of others, really. I think there's tech that certainly can embellish you know what you're doing in a in a social aspect and beyond so i've always been really passionate about can as an organization as get involved in in really helping improve that kind of that kind of element of people's social life i think if you get that right your business will be successful you've got to start there really and then i think from a personal perspective obviously my family hugely comes first they may not say that when they say the amount of hours i work but it is it's certainly it's certainly always top of mind and then, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm a very boring individual, really. I just lo- I love film. I love music. I love sport. I'm a very avid Legion United soccer fan. So depending on the result on a weekend generally has a huge bearing on my mood on any given Monday morning, as the staff, my staff will be able to tell you. Um, so, yeah, so those are my passions, really, amongst others, I guess. 
Okay, great, great. Well, final question, you know, obviously you guys, your business is, is much more than payments, but payments plays an integral part. And I like to ask this question of most of my guests, just because I feel like everyone brings a unique view to it. And when I started in payments, the word fintech didn't even exist. And payments was kind of a boring industry, not a whole lot of innovation going on, but that's really changed. And I think it's changed a lot in the last at least five years or so. So kids going to college, university today, they can actually take classes in fintech and and there's so many more opportunities in the space. So what would your advice be to them if they're just starting out of school, they look at payments, they look at fintech, they say, hey, you know, that's an industry I'm interested in building a career in. What would you tell them they should do to be successful? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think without going over all ground, I, th- I think, as I mentioned earlier, it's think as a consumer. Are you looking to get involved in something where you're going to bring something different to the table to improve that customer experience? Don't always think of it too technically. So I think that, yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be really my advice. And I would say go out and, and see that tech or your potential tech being used. You know, look at how people really interact with it. One of the things I'm very passionate about is making sure that everybody within our, within Tappet as an example, goes out to an event and sees the actual technology being used. Because I think until you do that, it's very difficult to really think about what, how you can improve that user experience and how you can really improve your products. So I would say get out there into the real world, see how people interact and, and yeah, really think about can you leave a legacy where you can maybe take your children in 30 years and say, let me tell you about when it was different and when it was more difficult to purchase something or the fan experience wasn't quite as optimal as it, as it is now? I, th- I think really that's what you want to leave. How do people interact with it? So, And I'd, I would agree with what you said, Greg. I would say there's lots of innovation in this space now. And so I think it's a very, very exciting time, you know, to look at joining this fintech space or whatever you may call it now. Because I think for the first time, as I mentioned earlier, organizations really are very passionate about trying to be innovative and and trying to really improve that customer experience. And I don't think that was always the case. I think there was certainly a time when there was people were probably resting on the laurels a little bit. And I think, as I say, the pandemic has really made people look for the first time on on how they can really engage with the customers in a way they've not done previously. Yeah, I agree. And, and I love your advice. I don't know if you've seen recently. I think I may have my company wrong, but I think it's DoorDash. But it's someone like that where their CEO came out and said, every single employee in this company has to do at least one delivery every year. And it's the same concept, right? Was it DoorDash? Did I have that right? I don't know, but I'll check them out. I've certainly come across that kind of premise before. And I, and I think it is really increasingly important that you don't look to build product in this space in, in some kind of silo. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jason, we've covered a lot of ground about the company, the industry, you and your background and your successes. So is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap up? No, I've really enjoyed our chat and more than happy to have a chat in future on or, or off the record. It's it's a space I'm extremely passionate about. And yes, yeah, so thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And finally, what would be the best way for people to learn more about you and about the company? I guess tapit.com would be the first thing I would point people towards as far as the company is concerned. I would say the company is far more interesting than myself. But if you do want to um, read about my experience, then then yes, certainly check out 
check me out on LinkedIn and, and certainly look to reach out to me as well. I'm, I'm again, very passionate about getting back to people if they contact me and any, and if I can give anybody any, any advice or, um, or they can, I'm more than happy to be taught about any new uh, innovation or uh, things, you know, every, every day is a school day, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, if anybody who's listening who wants to reach out, certainly feel free. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. You're welcome. Thank you, Greg. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.